0: Father, we thank you for this time together, we thank you for your word. We lift up uh, Colby and Chelsea and uh, pray that you would be with them. Pray for Colby, and uh, um, if there's any continuing pain, that you would alleviate that, that you would give wisdom to the doctors there. Uh, We pray that you would be with us this morning, that your spirit would be in and among us, uh, opening up your word that sanctifies us because your word is truth. And we pray that we see Jesus glorified and magnified this morning in the law that all scriptures God breathed and profitable for us and that we would be profited by it this morning. We thank you for this time. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're in Leviticus. Chapter
1: 7.
0: and. I've been in, in very uh, high level communication with some of the uh, leadership of this class that the discussion, namely Tammy, that the discussion dealing with the offerings is a little muddled and a little confusing. I didn't say that. And so I want to give a brief overview, real quick, on the offerings that we've gone over, just so we kind of put them in order. There are three primary, right? There's the burnt offering, there's the grain offering, and there is the peace offering or fellowship offering. Okay? A couple of different names that it's called by there. The burnt offering, the grain offering, and the peace offering. And the, the burnt offering, I think, has a couple of subsets, and I think a lot of people agree with this. A couple of subsets of the sin and guilt offering they're, they're, that are to specific issues. But primarily, those are the three main categories. The burnt offering, remember, was to be... I I am before a holy God and I'm unholy. A burnt offering is to appease or to make me uh, acceptable to God. The the grain offering or the bread offering, bless you, the grain offering, the the bread offering would be one that is a sanctifying, it's a set-apart kind of idea there. Um, And then the peace offering, the fellowship offering, is a communal meal with God, right? Remember... Part of it goes to the food offering of the Lord. Part of it goes to the priest that he eats. And then the offerer also. It's one of the, it's the only offering really where the, the offerer also eats. It's a meal with God. So I did set apart and then I fellowship with God. Right? I have a, a, a meaningful sit down as a meal with God. And that's not just between me and God, that's also the whole covenant community takes part. So the goal is to get to that. That fellowship offering by means of acceptance, sanctification, and then to the peace offering. Does that make sense? Right? Yet, sort of.
2: So where does the sin offering
0: come in? The sin offering is part of that. I need to be accepted. The sin offering would be, for certain circumstances, this type of burn offering, although it's, Sort of a subset uh, goes; it happens, and then the guilt offering again. Like, remember, we talked about unintentional sins. We talked about fraud. We talked about those kinds of things, like a trustee who doesn't live up to what he's done, being falling under either the sin or the guilt offering, depending. But it's all under this idea of I need to be accepted before God. I need to repent for sin. I need. That's all a type of burnt offering. It's a little different with sin and guilt because part of that goes to the priest whereas a burnt offering is wholly consumed. But I still think it's under that same idea of I need to be accepted to God. So that, that's kind of the, the three themes that you see among these offerings. Um, so you have that idea. And we talk, we've been talking about categories under each of those that, that, that take place. And we did kind of an extended version of that last week, a big old chunk of stuff that we talked about that I commend you to listen to like ten times to get what we just rattle through it. So, today we're just going to talk about one thing. Uh, It's another subset, and we're beginning a a, a kind of an extended discussion, an extended explanation of the peace offering or the fellowship offering. It's the same, those terms are used interchangeably. And we're going to see, again, there are different subcategories under the peace offering. There's different types of peace offerings that happen. And we're going to see that in chapter 7, verses 11 through 21. Um, We're currently in the second manual of Leviticus. This is dealing with the priests. And although this is a manual for priests, we're going to see that the attention today shifts from being just focused on the priesthood. It kind of shifts to the general Israelite population dealing with these peace offerings. It still addresses the proper handling, distribution, and disposal of, of each of the offerings, but it's, the idea is with the, all of the general Israelites in mind here. Um, Alright, and then we're going to see the different categories. So let's look at verse 11. We'll read through verse 21. And this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings that one may offer to the Lord. If he offers it for a thanksgiving... Then He shall offer with the thanksgiving sacrifice unleavened loaves mixed with oil, unleavened wafers smeared with oil, and loaves of fine flour well mixed with oil. With the sacrifice of His peace offerings for thanksgiving, He shall bring His offering with loaves of leavened bread. And from it He shall offer one loaf from each offering as a gift to the Lord. It shall belong to the priest who throws the blood Of the peace offerings. And the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving shall be eaten on the day of his offering. He shall not leave any of it until the morning. But if the sacrifice of his offering is a vow offering or a free will offering, it shall be eaten on the day that he offers his sacrifice, and on the next day what remains of it shall be eaten. But what remains of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day shall be burned up with fire. If any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering is eaten on the third day, he who offers it shall not be accepted, neither shall it be credited to him. It is tainted, and he who eats of it shall bear his iniquity. Verse 19, Flesh that touches any unclean thing shall not be eaten. It shall be burned up with fire. All who are clean may eat flesh, but the person who eats of the flesh of the sacrifice of the Lord's peace offerings while an uncleanness is on him, that person shall be cut off from his people. And if anyone touches an unclean thing, whether human uncleanness or an unclean beast or any unclean detestable creature, and then eats some flesh from the sacrifice of the Lord's peace offerings, that person shall be cut off from his people. We'll stop there. Alright. Just generally, observation general observation on this deal how many categories of peace offerings are we looking at do you see here how many three what are they thanksgiving Thanksgiving? vow and and free will we'll we'll take them in that order why would somebody bring a thanksgiving offering remember we're we're not talking about the pilgrims here this is the Israelite thing. Why would they give a thanksgiving offering? What does that involve? When you give thanksgiving, what is going on there? Well, a thanksgiving offering is generally given when God answers a prayer that an Israelite has made and he goes publicly and gives thanks to God for the answered prayer. A specific act that the Lord has done on the offerer's behalf. He gives thanks for that. You've heard of vows. That's the next one. It's a vow. What would a vow be? A promise, an if-then. An if-then promise. God, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. Right? always works out well. Um, If... Generally, that, that's what we're talking about. We'll talk about it a little bit more specifically later. But it's to fulfill a response, uh, to fulfill a vow in response to an answered prayer. Basically, the vow. We'll talk about that more. What about a free will offering, Reform folks? What about a free will offering?
2: Isn't that just kind of a gift?
0: It's a just because, yeah. right? It's a just because you just you're good, and I want to be thankful, and I want to show that, and I want to have fellowship with you because you're good, and your mercy endures forever, right? That's generally the three categories we have here of these these fellowship offerings. Why would someone come to the Lord for a peace offering or fellowship offering? That's uh, that, that those are the three reasons He gives. Um, just as a side note, I, I kind of joked about the whole reform thing. Um, do you find it interesting that the one offering that is unilateral and a just because offering is called the free will offering? And this is the one that shows a heart that loves God and yet we're born not loving God and yet the heart that loves God just says, hey, I love you and I want to I want to show everyone that I'm thankful for what you've done. That's the free will. <laughs> I just think that's interesting. That's the one he calls free will. Anyway, let's look at these each in turn and see what we can learn. The sacrifice of thanksgiving, verses 11 through 15. Um we talked about peace offering or fellowship offering, and, and what it represents. It's a meal, right? It's a meal, and the offeror eats, the priest eats, and God has a food offering. And we see that in each of these, that's going on. But there's a difference in purpose for why one would bring each of those. And we talked about that a little bit uh, a second ago. But they also differ. They differ functionally, and when the meat is eaten, you saw that in the passage too. When, uh, what are we told about when the meat can be eaten for the Thanksgiving offering? When, when, when should that be eaten? Or maybe a better question is when can it not be eaten? The next day. You can eat the whole thing same day. Right? I, okay. Just thinking that through. A whole day to eat that one offering for Thanksgiving. And this is the same. What happens to any remainder, by the way? Any remainder stuff? It's burnt. It's totally consumed. It has to be burnt uh, if it's not all eaten on the on the same day. This is the same type of statute that you see for the three major festival days. Passover, Feast of, of Weeks, and Feast of the Tabernacles. Those three major calendar festivals. This is the way it is. got to eat that day, burn the rest of it. Other types of peace offerings allow eating of the meat on the second day, but throw it out on the third. What does this tell you about the view of God, the view that God has of the thanksgiving offering? What does that tell you? Why, would he, why is that a big deal? To eat it all on one day and burn it if you don't finish it on one day. Okay, he provides for the next day. Be thankful for the... Because it's a, it's a response to an answered prayer and he'll provide the next day, maybe.
2: And it's also, he's, it's, it's a, you have to be thankful every single day because you can't eat one day and then skip two or three days and then eat again. Right. So this is something that you have to do.
0: When we're going to the tabernacle to do a Thanksgiving offering, is that something we do in isolation? That's a communal event, isn't it? Everybody sees it, right? Everybody. You're going there, and you're doing this. I'm thankful because God has answered my prayer. Um. The idea here is stop everything and rejoice, like you would on a fest- festival day. Stop everything. Be thankful that God has answered your prayer and rejoice like you would on the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Tabernacles or the the Passover. God's answered prayer is enough for that kind of response. And He elevates it to that kind of... It's just like this. Be thankful. This is a happy, joyous occasion and it's not held to just the guy who's making the offering. Everybody... Participates in that. They see it, and God is magnified, and he, the guy's rejoicing because of the answered prayer, whatever that may be. Um, every good Israelite ate bread with a meal, and so we see uh, bread also in view here on these uh, peace offerings. What type of bread is used on this Thanksgiving offering? What type of bread is used? Unleavened? Unleavened. Is that it? And it also said leavened. And leavened. There's unleavened and leavened, and there's lots of oil being smeared, mixed, and uh, and, and coated. Yeah, all, all kinds of stuff. So you have oil over the unleavened stuff, and you have leavened bread. What's going on with the bread? How does that divvy it up? What does it say? Unleavened loaves mixed with oil, unleavened wafers smeared with oil, loaves of fine flour well mixed with oil. And loaves of leavened bread. What, what's going on? How are they dividing it up? Is it one loaf? They're not. It's just a big feast. It's a big bunch of bread. It's family style. Uh, this how does if everything's being shared also with a priest? Does it does it say anything about that as well? Yes. Yes. What does it say? So it says that you shall the priest so You'll
3: give it to him. How? With your offering, you'll offer a
0: loaf. A loaf. Each of each of each type that you bring, one loaf goes to the priest. What do you do with all those other loaves? The one guy eats like twenty million loaves. What he's bringing this
1: one loaf from each offering to the Lord.
0: Right. There's some for the Lord, some for the so there's a portion that goes to the uh, to the altar. There's a, there's a loaf that goes to the priest, and you got twenty million because mama has been really happy in the kitchen, and because she's thankful too, and so you've got. So, the guy walks out like this. Well, not necessarily. The, the idea, too, is that the family is involved. And they're eating as well in the courtyard, in the, in the temple complex. The family eats. Everyone shares in Thanksgiving. There's enough meat. Because they're bringing, like, cows. And one person is not going to be able to eat one in a day. Right? The whole fa- Well... <laughs> I could not well um, it's a day feast for the family in front of the congregation of Israel everybody's enjoying this everybody it's a festival kind of attitude the priest gets one loaf of each um, and, and, and portion of the meat and then the family's also eating it's interesting here that it uses unleavened and leavened for this offering that the Talmud, the Jewish writings on this, say that the same amount of each type of bread is to be offered. So the priest gets one of each and it's said to be a gift to the Lord or a contribution. What he gives to the priest is a gift to God. And that's we talked about last week. That's God providing for his people, his priests that way because they don't have a whole bunch of flocks, they don't have a bunch of land to do their own grain. God provides for the priests that way. This offering seems to be more elaborate than the other fellowship offerings because of just all the different breads. It's like a buffet of bread, you know. And it appears to be a frequent sacrifice. A bunch of references on this. We'll go to one Uh, in in Jeremiah thirty-three eleven. It says, "The voice of uh, of mirth. Whoops, there it is. The voice of mirth and the voice of gladness." The voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voices of those who sing, Amen. as they bring thank offerings to the house of the Lord, give thanks to the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for His steadfast love endures forever, for I will restore the fortunes of the land as it first says the Lord. It, it's a it's a celebration. You see this over and over again when it refers to Thanksgiving offerings. It's a celebration. In what significant way is this offering different than the previous offerings we studied last last week. What do you, what do you think? Does, is there any statement as to its character? They're happier? They're happier? Okay. I mean, this... We talked last week about discerning between what is clean and unclean, what is holy and unholy. Several of the sacrifices had that statement. And this is a most holy this is a holy... you see any of that here? You're
2: supposed to be thankful for everything.
0: Right? Why do you think the character of it, though, is that... Why wouldn't, why wouldn't He say this is most holy? What's going on here? I would think thankfulness would be a very holy thing.
1: Hey, but you it does seem like well, the way you talked about the burnt offering being a sacrifice for your general sinfulness and then... You have the sin and guilt offerings for specific kinds of sinfulness. Mm-hmm. And then you have the grain offering as being set apart. It seems like those are like prerequisites to mm-hmm. being able to bring a peace offering or a Thanksgiving offering. So you've already been accepted. You've already been set apart. And now you're able to fellowship and show
0: your thankfulness. Okay. So that, that wouldn't be a most holy situation. It would be something that is... Um, already He's already declared it holy. He's already done this. And so this offering is more common because it's got more common elements, doesn't it? I mean, you've got the guy who's not a priest handling the food. You've got the guy who's not a priest you know, staying in the temple complex all day to finish a cow. There's a lot of familiarity, a lot of ordinariness going on with this. And that's what it should be. But the character of it is it's it's holy but he doesn't give it the designation of most holy because there's a lot of commonality, a lot of very ordinary elements to it. But among the peace offerings, this Thanksgiving offering is unique in that in that, uh, there's just all this bread. It's the most elaborate one. And so there's some ideas, some some of the smart guys have thought that this might be more sacred of the three categories of the, of the peace offerings. All right, let's look at the vow and the free will offerings. The other types of of peace offerings are are these uh, less stringent offerings. They're voluntary offerings and not tied to any one event or special occasion. When what is a vow? A vow is a promise to carry out something if God answers a prayer. Which leads to the immediate question Is God's favor for sale? No. Then why make a vow? What's the point of that?
2: More on your end.
0: In what way is it more on your end? Well, it's
2: the same way with prayer. We don't change God's mind, but we are aligning our thoughts and our will with His already. And a vow is the same thing. It's, uh, God, you're going to do whatever you're going to do, but if you do this, then I will do this. You're, you're committing yourself. You're promising yourself.
0: To go this way. It's a peace offering. It's a fellowship offering that is promised in response to answered prayer. Why would somebody do that? How many times when God responds to a prayer that you have, do you forget to be thankful? Right? How many times... When I'm bent over, my insides are all twisted because of a situation, and there's some kind of way that it just unravels and happens, and everything. I've been, you know, middle of the night, three in the morning, I'm praying, oh God, you know, deliver me from this, you know, because everything is like the most worst thing ever. You think you're in Gethsemane and these things, and you're not. But you pray that way, and he does something amazing, and you're like, whew! Next thing. Do you, that's the human heart, isn't it? Yeah. We're not thankful by nature. And so the the vow is a way to kind of hold us accountable to that. To be thankful. I've made a vow. I want to fulfill the vow. I want to ensure my thankfulness at the end of this thing, whatever it may be. That's kind of the idea behind the vow.
2: Look, Kevin, it's kind of a promise
0: Yeah, it's an accountability response. A vow is a publicly made thing. So not only are you are you going to be thankful publicly, but people are going to hold you to it. Didn't you make a vow? A priest rededication. Okay. Yeah? Yeah. That that's a public expression of my commitment to be thankful, to have a right response to, to what God has done. Uh, his grace is not for sale, his favor is not for sale, he graciously helps his people. A promise like this underscores the seriousness of the, of the prayer and ensures that they would give the appropriate expression of thanksgiving and praise at the time that their prayer is answered. Thankfulness vanishes quickly. I once had a, an old lawyer friend of mine talk about this in relationship to your bill. He said, the value for lawyer services <laughs> diminishes greatly once the service has been rendered. That's a crass way of saying the same thing here. The value of what God has done diminishes greatly after we're, out of the, we're, we're, we're plucked out of the fire, right? Um, the vow was a safeguard against forgetting to be thankful when God answered your prayer. A vow, when performed, was a public sharing of the Lord's praises with the covenant brothers and sisters. Psalms 66, uh, verse 13. I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you. Come, verse 16 says, come and hear... All you who fear God, and I will tell what He has done for my soul. It's a communal thing. It's a testimony of the goodness of God through this offering, through this fulfilling of the vow. A free will fellowship offering differed, and that it was not brought because of a vow. It wasn't brought because of an answered prayer specifically. Do um, you remember the materials that were brought for the tabernacle? That you know, they, they just brought them freely. They loaded them up with gold and silver and all the stuff they plundered from the Egyptians to do the tabernacle. The Hebrew word that was used there for what the Hebrews did with the tabernacle is the same word here. The free will. This is from the heart. It's unilateral. It's not because of anything specifically God has done. I just want to show my thankfulness for who He is and, and His faithfulness to His people. That's the idea. It's a unilateral offering. It's a voluntary and general expression of thanksgiving and praise to the Lord for His character and deeds and yet there are stipulations here what what's the deal with the meat here what can you do how how long can you eat on this stuff 2 days 2 days is that within the temple complex or are you leaving you're leaving you're leaving how do you know that because you have to sleep you got to sleep they don't have bunks in the tabernacle uh, you've got to move on and there's stipulations here for how this meat should be handled it's a holy offering, it's meat offered to the Lord, it's got to retain its character of holiness, and there are stipulations on how that should be handled. The, 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 the Thanksgiving offering doesn't leave the complex, which again lends to the, th- the fact that some smart guys think it's more sacred of, a, of an offering because the, the meat is guarded, it's, it retains its holy character because it's in that place. This stuff leaves with the family, and yet it's still got to be handled a certain way. Um, what happens if the meat is left until the third day? What, what's what's it? It, hey, it becomes burnt. Why? What does it say? What happens to the meat? What what character does God say it has? It's tainted. It's tainted. Uh, another translation might be it's become foul. Um, if you've ever... Uh, Tammy's a little bit more particular about this than, than I am. Um... If if I leave meat out on cooked meat out on the countertop for you know 15 seconds, ah, quickly get in the fridge. It's going to go bad, right? It's kind of a thing. It lasts usually till it gets room temperature, and then the stuff sets in. But in her mind, it's you know kind of a deal. Meat can last for a while, uh, but by the third day, it becomes, well, it stinketh. Right? If it's left out in the heat, left out in the stuff, it's not fit for consumption. And what was once holy, because it wasn't handled properly, becomes very unclean. There's a there's a practical reason, safety issue, but there's also this character of not handling holy things rightly, they become unclean. They become unholy. Uh The root verb there for tainted is the root verb to rot. And it it kind of indicates the decay of the meat. What happens if the worshiper is really hungry on his way home? He's in Jerusalem. He's got to get up to, I guess, some area. I don't know. Some area up there. Um, What happens if he eats the meat on the way? What happens to him? He shall bear his iniquity. Shall bear his iniquity. He gotta do a sin offering. Is it unintentional? Unintentional. Was it, you know, unknowing? Was follow following those characters? We go he's gotta turn around and go back. Um, it defeats the purpose, doesn't it? Of the fellowship offering. It kinda of reminds me of when you're in fellowship with God and and,
1: and 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 then you don't keep that up, then it's a call for repentance. Mm-hmm.
0: The means of fellowship become a means of now disfellowship by mishandling of this of this tangible meat, and there's some spiritual applications there as well. These sacrifices are joyful occasions, often accompanied by the singing of a psalm, and we and we see that um, throughout the psalms. I I told Tammy this morning I, I had to do catch up on my Bible reading because I was like two days out, so. Two of the psalms that I read, both of them had these Thanksgiving vow type language in them. It's just really cool. When you read the psalms, you can say, Oh, I know, where, I know what's going on there. I will declare your greatness to the people for I am thankful for what you've done. And all this kind of stuff. I, I will go and perform my vow to God. and just, The language of it is drenched with these sacrifices. And what's going on here? The mindset of, of the Hebrew people. What happens to the guy who mishandles meat? 19 uh, through 21. It's a slap on the wrist. He'll be cut off his what does that mean? Cut off people. That's, that can't sound good. That doesn't sound good at all. It can't be good. What is it? Go Cast out. He's exiled. From the people. He's, sh- he's, he's, he's booted into the wilderness. Some... Uh, some instances, this language is used for. Um, well, let's say it was a premature death from mishandling meat. Does that seem a little harsh? He might just die from from meat. <laughs> he might get judged by the rotten meat. You yeah, know, well, maybe. Well, this
2: shows the importance of a thankful heart to God.
0: Isn't it? Isn't it an important thing that that. This starts out, all of these offerings, um, they're, they're, they're voluntary. Um, well, we'll get there in just a second. There, there is a, there's an issue here. The, the, the person who mishandles the holy meat is no, long, no longer regarded as in fellowship with God, but actually the language says he's an enemy of God rather than being in fellowship with him because he did not handle it rightly. Uh,
2: So so Kevin, this is the free will offering. So this is the giving to the priests, giving to the people. Mm -hmm. But if you're, if you're giving it and then you're eating on it for a long time, doesn't that prove that your heart was not to give it? It was to eat off of it.
0: Well, I don't, if you're eating on it for a couple of days, that's, that's what you're supposed to do. I don't, I think it's just this idea of of not paying attention. Uh, and another issue, another is another issue going on there, but Samuel says to, to Saul, when Saul offers offerings, he says, Obedience is greater than sacrifice. To heed the word of the Lord than the fat of rams, right? That's the idea here. How thank really you want to be thankful? Then obey what's been given. You can't say, I'm thankful to God for what He is and who He is greater, He's my sovereign, and then just disobey what He says. And there's a covenant issue there of how we, uh, how they, and how, by extension, we handle things that are holy. You've rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king, Samuel said to Saul. Obedience is a big deal. One of the. One of the things that's interesting here is that if a person becomes unclean, he must become ritually clean before he partakes of the meat of the offering. So if he's traveling and he stumbles across an armadillo and he sexes, which is completely possible, then, then he's now having to be made clean before he can touch the meat again. There, there's a ritual thing that has to happen there. So all of that is, is, is at issue once you take the meat from the sanctuary. Consequence for the violation of this law... is stated emphatically and it's stated twice. It's a big deal. All right. One of the primary peace offerings in Israel was the the Thanksgiving sacrifice, and it was to show gratitude to God for what he has given to his people. Is that significant to us? Cross happens, we don't have to be thankful. Is that not a major theme in the New Testament? Thankfulness? I think it's one of the things commanded What what's the will of God for my life? I just don't know. know. Well one of them is the will of God is your thankfulness. <laughs> it's in Thessalonians. The will of God, our thankfulness. That's not uh, that's not real ambiguous. Christians are commanded and urged to continue to offer thanksgiving to God for his wondrous provision. Look at listen to this, Philippians four six. Do not be anxious about anything. But in whatever you think is appropriate, be by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. No, it says with everything, in everything. In everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You're asking Him for something and you're asking Him thankful already for who He is, what He's done, and what you hope He will do. It's an attitude already built into prayer. Colossians 4.2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. I don't even know that He's going to answer it yet, but I'm I'm to approach it Thankfully. Uh, Ephesians five twenty, giving thanks always and for everything. That is such a difficult deal. Mm-hmm. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those are great words. Just kind of throw out on Sunday morning. Yay! Always and for everything. It's festival time. Do we live that way? No, I'm worried about the next election. Already. I'm worried about that dadgum email server. I'm sure there's something on it that's going to happen. It's going to blow the whole thing up. I, I live in an anxious environment. The culture is there causing great anxiety. It's easy to slip into that. But in all things, in everything always he's calling on us to be thankful for what because God doesn't change he's good and his mercy endures forever regardless of our circumstances and the root and grounding of our attitude and our um, uh, approach to life is in who he is and what he's done Christ gave thanks to the Father for the working out of His will. It says, In the same hour, He rejoiced in the Holy... Festival time. Rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. He gave thanks for the provision of food and drink. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. He took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and they set them before the crowd. He he was thankful that the Father hears his prayer, John 11. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, the raising of Lazarus. He was thankful for fellowship with his disciples at the Last Supper, he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it. And then later it says, And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Christ. Uh, and those are just a few examples of his thankfulness before he's crucified. He's thankful. And we, we've previously discussed the numerous parallels between uh, Hebrew peace offerings and, and communion. And one significant element of communion is thankfulness. When we come to the table, do we come? It's festival time. Are we choking down that little dry wafer and trying not to cough? We're waiting for the grape juice to come around with a little sliver of hope that we may not cough after we get the, Give me the juice. You know, do we do that? Are we thinking, this is his body? This is His blood, broken and shed for me. How thankful I am. What I didn't deserve, I've received by the hand of God. Our thanksgiving is rooted in Christ's thanksgiving. Our communion with Him is the foundation of our thankfulness to the Father. Thankfulness in all circumstances is at issue here. Christ, as our King, is worthy of thankfulness. Because of who He is. What is Christ's law of thanksgiving? How is the Christian to to show his thankfulness to Christ? Worshipful prayer and obedience to to the call of Christ to be holy as your Father in heaven is holy. We show our thankfulness publicly to the community through our obedience to what He says. It's what the fruit of our lips giving thanks? It's one of the lines that the Bible uses to talk about how we show our thankfulness how we treat one another as unto Christ is an expression of our thankfulness it's a sacrifice on many, 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 many occasions (laughs) it's a thankfulness it's born out of thankfulness to Him thankfulness is given voluntarily a vow is entered into voluntarily a free will offering is given voluntarily and each of these are given from a willing heart a willing heart is demonstrated by attention to obey what God has commanded. How quickly can our displays of affection to Christ turn to something very self-centered and unthankful for which we must repent if we snub him. Look at me. If we snub him through our inattentiveness to things, uh, the the thing that really struck me about this whole passage in thankfulness and free will offerings and all of that, it begins with a law. This is the law of the peace offering, it says. And then it ends with the consequence of not obeying the law. And yet, the context of all of it is free will, voluntary thankfulness. We come to God on His terms, not ours. Even in our freedom, we come to Him on His terms not ours. I can't say I'm thankful to God and disobey what He's commanded me to do. It's just inconsistent. I can't say I'm thankful to God and hate my brother. That's inconsistent. I can't say I'm thankful and festival and, and defraud my brother or, or cause them to stumble or all of those things that we do in relationship to each other I can't, it's inconsistent. It's hypocritical. Thankfulness is shown by our obedience to Christ. We cannot come to God on our terms, but on His. Um, All right. It is impossible to live in thankfulness if you're hating your brother or sister in Christ. Um, Paul prayed for believers. Look at those prayers. He prayed for the Corinthians and the Galatians just as much as he prayed for the Ephesians and the Philippians. The ones that caused him a lot of trouble, he prayed for just the same intensity and thankfulness to God for the work that he's doing in their lives with the same intensity he prayed for, the Ephesians and and the Philippians. All right, If we learn anything today, let's learn that our thankfulness is expressed as part of a community. Um, These were voluntary sacrifices done openly and before everyone. And... Paul will say, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Interesting thing about that word worship. Uh, Old English came from the word worth ship. They didn't have a lisp, <laughs> it was talking about the worth of God to be worshipped. He's worth ship. The, the Greek there uh, is, is dealing with all of this, all of the, 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 the idea of thankfulness, of adoration, of, um, of service to God. And we come back to the same principle. What's in the heart comes out in actions, not just words. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Are we living lives of thankfulness? Is our thankfulness rooted and grounded in the person and finished work of Jesus? Is it displayed within the community, his people, by how we treat one another? Is it displayed before the watching world by how we live? I'll quote from John MacArthur the other day and he says this, It's not the perfection of one's life but the direction of a life that provides evidence of regeneration. Are we moving in the direction of thankfulness? The author of Hebrews writes, through Him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. Living lives of thankfulness. Any comments, questions? Sprint for the door because it's 10-15. I do have ever
3: heard of thankfulness as being in discipline. Like, you hear it but never taken it in. It's a discipline.
2: It's a lack of self-control to not be thankful. Mm. And I do it all the time. I
0: was going to uh, add on to what you said. Is uh, doesn't Paul call that fighting for joy? You have to fight for joy. Is that John Piper or Paul? I Because he <laughs> there maybe I'm sure there's a, the content is there. The content, I'm just messing but with you. The, the, the language, thing. yeah, yeah. You fight, you fight to have the right attitude, which is what we talked about earlier. Yeah.
1: Uh, to share with one another because i I find myself being thankful in prayer but sometimes i don't necessarily share things that i'm thankful with thankful about with other people and i think it's a testimony to what god is doing in our lives and it's also an encouragement to other to other believers when Mm -hmm. we actually share what what's going on and how we're
3: thankful right because we're not in the habit of already confessing sin right you know like, we don't have a one-to-one relationship with people mm-hmm. yeah. enough to we confess sin and confess thankfulness. Because a, a lot of times yeah. our thankfulness is, I had a victory today, mm. you know, yeah. and, and I have no one to tell that to because nobody knew. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's like, we're really guilty of not having that communal relationship, like this, this sacrifice. Right. I just went and I confessed my sins and I saw, you know, I saw the guts and the blood and everything, how filthy I am. And I've been made clean and now I can go with my family and thank God and make my vows and make my free will offerings and we can rejoice together and feast and taste and see that the Lord is good. Mm-hmm. And I can do that with everyone because they know me and they've seen my sin, they've seen my wretchedness. And now I can be made clean in front of everyone and we can rejoice together. Yeah. That is what the sacrifices
0: is Yeah, it's a very public thing. You go to a sin and guilt offering, people know what's going on because of what you're bringing in. The priest knows what's going on because of what you're bringing in. And it's done out in the courtyard, so they know what's going on. Thankfulness the same way. They know your junk and they know your happiness. They know your your festival. They know your thankfulness for what God has done. And it's all to the glory of God. He's the one who atones. He's the one who provides. And He's the one that receives thanks because He is uh, worth the ship. He's worthy of it. I'm just going to say that again and again because it's fun. It, it, he's worthy of it. Alright, any any other statements? Alright. Well, we'll continue with a, a little bit more on the fellowship offerings next week. Uh, and, 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 and keep going through. Leviticus. Yes. It's all good. Let's pray. Father, we do thank You for Your law. We thank You that in the law we see the character and heart of God. And that You, in Christ... Are the great lawgiver, a king who displays his character and his nature because of what he commands. And you command our thankfulness because you're worthy of our thankfulness. And we see displayed there not only the worth of Christ, but also the humility of Christ, that in his humanity he was thankful to you, the Father, for what you were doing in your church and what you were doing among his people. Redeeming a nation out of fallen humanity to display the worth of Christ through His faithful life, through His faithful death, and your faithfulness to Him in His resurrection. God, make us faithful. Give us hearts to display faithfulness through our thanksgiving to You. Not only in what You are doing in our lives, but in the work that we see You doing in other lives in our community because of the work of Christ. Make us more mindful of our need to be involved in each other's lives, not as busybodies, but as those who are taking on the the, um, privilege and the burden of accountability and sharing in uh, tears as much as we share in rejoicing. We thank you for these things. You've called us to be a new humanity in Jesus. We pray that we are faithful to that. It's in His name we pray. Amen.